Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. My name is Colin Slager. Along with me, Tim Allersmeyer. Tim, how you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, today we talked to a good friend of ours, good friend of the shows, uh, Dave Dunham, and uh, this is his second time coming through uh, through the studio. Uh, we get more excited uh, every time he comes. Uh, he's going to be coming back uh, plenty more. So if you haven't listened to the first episode with Dave Dunham, uh, that is our very first episode we released. Please go and check that out uh, before and after you listen to this one because um, both you're going to get, I think, a lot of good value. Dave, uh, describe, um, sorry, Tim, you're going to have to fix that. Describe a little bit about Dave and uh, what, what he does, uh, what he's about, and what we get into. Yeah, Dave, uh, Dave's an amazing human being. He's, uh, Dave's a fitness and mental health advocate, the founder and owner of Seven Wholeness, a business dedicated to developing people from a fitness and lifestyle perspective, as well as the founder of Wired Ripple, which promotes the positive actions and leadership of amazing humans in our community. Uh, t- I mean, in this episode, it's, it's going to be one people don't want to miss. We, uh, we dive into the daily process of managing our own health, as well as empathizing with people in regards to issues and pressures we feel on a daily basis. We also discuss how we can relate to people who might be going through a u- unique situations that we ourselves may not have gone through, but we can find a way to empathize with them, the feeling of it. Yeah, it's, uh, I got pretty jacked up after this one. And uh, we, we end on some, some fun talk. <clears throat> we talk about some gym etiquette, uh, some new training styles, but we get try to get a little... Uh, little entertaining with it and uh, just kind of goof off at the end. So um, this is us with Dave Dunham. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, we're back. Episode two with Dave Dunham. Uh, going another round here. Dave, how, how have you been, dude? Great, guys. It's uh, good to see you. And just uh, thanks for having me back on. Just ready for holidays and just uh, chilling out. I, I think I told you uh, the other day our first episode with you has been popping off pretty well so compared to the rest of them it's it's skyrocketed which is cool so you must have done something right well i think you guys kind of led me the right way i think we talked about a lot so it's kind of mm-hmm. cool just i listened to it the other day again just like we pretty much i think covered a lot of different covered areas a lot of shit, yeah that i think mm-hmm. a lot of people maybe are struggling with so i think it probably resonated with them so yeah, yeah. it's good to have you back brother there's a lot of good thing. Got a lot of good things from that first episode. Uh, people, if you want to learn about Dave's business, it's a pretty cool concept what he's got going on there and his story. And we're we're glad to have you back and get you on and talk about some some cool things that you've been working on lately, uh, like your research grant. You want to kind of explain a little bit about yes, that? Yes, I do want to hear all yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah we, so yeah, we got to hear about it. Let's go. All right. So. Um, just to recap, I'm at Butler University, and I'm studying human movement, health science, education, and um, just really blessed to have some really cool like professors and mentors there at Butler, and one of my professors reached out to me last year wanting to possibly do a research grant or project at Butler, and we applied to the uh, BSI, which is the Butler Summer Institute grant, um, which we did not get. And um, so we reapplied, and they have a, uh, this year they just started a Chase Scholarship, which stands for, 
Center of High Achievement and Scholarly Engagement. Ooh. Ooh. I, I had to memorize that acronym when I was a tour guide. It's a mouthful. Did you? Wow. Yeah, it's a mouthful, but it's good. So this so, is the second time you've given us quite an acronym, because oh the first my, one was a friend acronym. Yeah, the, well, this one wasn't mine, so this one's hard to, like, I'll give it talk, to you. So, um, what is, what are the, What's the Chase office, I guess, what's its main function, Chase office? Well, it's it's still it's a Chase scholarship and it's actually done through Butler University. Okay, so that's so what this is their okay. first their for, their first uh, year of actually putting in a Chase scholarship. Okay, gotcha. So I was one of four selected. Um, so there's just four students at Butler that actually received it this year. So this is the first year, um, and it's a twenty five hundred dollar grant um, that goes towards research um, in the area that you're presenting to study. Um, so we got that, and we got approved for that, and then uh, we basically started in August of putting out our, our research and being able to start doing a lot of uh, quantitative and qualitative um, research to get information. So Professor Farley and I, she had an idea that she wanted to track fitness through social media, okay. and that's something that she's kind of had um, on the back burner, so to speak, over the last couple of years. And so when I kind of came to the picture, she knew I was a big um, advocate for mental health. So we kind of merged the two together. So the, the overall research is focused on uh, the impact of uh, social media and physical fitness on mental health and specifically on um, depression and anxiety. Wow, that's powerful research. Yeah. So it's it was pretty it's been pretty amazing so far. So we we found a lot of uh, data um, of research and our previous research and journals that have been completed, obviously on depression, anxiety with physical fitness, right? Um, but nothing that really linked social media and the outcome of how that's affecting people that either use it or don't use social media. So what are some of the things that you found? Well, so don't spoil it before it gets published. <laughs> I know, but I, oh, I'm, no, I'm being no, selfish because no, I'm we, so curious. Yeah. Like, because we we bash social media. Like, mm -hmm. don't check that first thing in the morning, especially. Right. Because you're just gonna be frustrated with something, or I'm not this. I don't have this. I don't look like this. You know, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, there's a we had three hundred around three hundred fifty individuals that completed a survey. Uh, between 18 and 75 years old and in that survey there's approximately 32 questions and the amount of data that we've received and I'm actually still going through um, all the quantitative data it's it's truly amazing is showing um, a lot of mental health I hate the word issues but just in general like people that are facing mental health problems or walls that they don't know how necessarily to deal with. Stress and anxiety uh, from OCD, even PTSD. Um, out of these 350 some participants, um, over 70% right now so far in the data is showing some type of mental health um, struggle um, or issue, I guess, is what media or, or what is typically called it's a lot and that just shows we're all struggling with something I was listening to a podcast on ESPN and Max Kellerman said we're all just trying to struggle better 
I guess that was a great, I thought that was a good way of putting it. I mean, what, what does that data tell you, I guess, from, from a surface level standpoint, I guess, people? Yeah, I mean, same, same as you. I, I think that we, every, every individual struggles with some type of right. Um, issue, mm -hmm. right? And, and again, I hate the word issue. I don't, I'm not sure what other word to use um, that will identify the struggle that most of us have. But we all have physical, mental, social, intellectual, professional type of challenges. And a lot of think, times I believe that mental health, right, it should be a daily process, whether you're getting up in the morning, how you're, whether you're meditating, whether you're praying, how you're kind of getting your mind to focus on the day on positive things versus negative things. Um, I believe that has a lot to do with it at the same time of social anxiety and just in general of we talked before in the previous episode of how the brain develops in general that a lot of us just are not taught how to be cognizant of how to deal with our conditions where we push emotions we push ideas away we push different concepts away versus being able to identify them being able to know when we need help and then also know if we need um whatever area of life that we, we might need in the environment that we're in. Maybe we, we need rest. Maybe we need um, nutrition. Maybe we need something very different that will help our mind process something versus just going through the moments or going through the motions. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of this data, I wasn't necessarily surprised in what we found so far with the link um, with overall um, anxiety and depression but now linking it to physical fitness and social media then has a whole nother aspect to it, right? Of why are people posting stuff online? Are they posting it to actually um, get feedback? Are they to get likes? Are they, is it motivational? Is it become drudgery? Is it um, actually then looking at other people's posts and making negative comments? or showing other people, hey, this guy looks like a douche. He keeps on posting this stuff like every yeah. day. So it's pretty amazing so far still going without having everything published or, or, or completed yet, especially with our lit review. Um, it's kind of hard to share everything Fair enough. right now, um, but it's it's pretty, pretty eye-opening the amount of people that have a negative concept towards social media but are indulged in it every day mm -hmm. so it's how do they break away from that but yet their the addiction or the the norm is to actually be involved constantly 100 yeah. all day long yeah and i guess the question is like how long has that negative feeling towards social media been there like what, what brought people to social media in the first place and what brought people the idea of connecting social media with working out in the first place? And I guess I just try to think about like what drove them to the point where we're like, oh man, I need to break away from this. Like what was that moment like for people when they realized that or when that was? I don't know. It's interesting to think about. I mean, you guys look at social media for like fitness or... Knowledge. Sure. Knowledge, right? Yeah. So like what draws you to, to look at something... I guess online versus looking in a book or um, asking somebody um, 
like face to face or, or what's convenience. Else. Yeah, yeah. I think people just love the idea, of the video concept, how like accessible things are. I think video is becoming so much more popular in social media the last couple of years, and that's people see that as an easy, accessible way to digest information. Just click a button, click the Instagram app, and you can just look at all this stuff. It's just easy. I feel like it's less effort than going to a library and getting a book or reading an article or just reading words. People people see things through pictures and video a lot more easier. I just think that's the easiest way for people right now to, to digest that in that way, is Instagram or other apps. I don't know. I mean, I try to consume less, like, personal and do more just for business. Like, even though I'm still on it, I try to keep more time business stuff because I handle a few different accounts. Right. But, like, I still consume my fair share. But I try to do it less. But it's, man, fuck, it's hard. It is. It's really hard. And then I look at, like, so at work, I look at people's posture when, like, a young kid is, like, on an iPad. Right. Even if it's, like, an educational thing. Like, they're in this compressed state. They're hunched over already. Forward head, rounded shoulders. Like, you're, like, five years old. Yeah, it's, it's like crazy. Like, by the time you're 20, 25, you're going to have, like, the worst upper cross syndrome ever <laughs> like it's bad I, I think about things like that you know mm-hmm. but I, I look at people's posture and stuff and then I'm like fuck not only are you just like then we talk about blue light you know then there's that, those issues too um, but I, I try to do less and I was reading Business Insider in the UK they're trying to push the Prime Minister to sign I forget what exactly it read but it was to emphasize mental health in workplace environments more so and make that like a top priority and one person was quoted saying like if this is done like you will have more productivity long term if you focus on this right and so it's just like it's prevalent like it is here and I I think we still try to ignore it about how big of an an issue it is Uh, but it's 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 here like it's knocking at the door so well, that's why I'm so into your research. So every time you share even tidbits, I'm like, ah, I want, I want some more. <laughs> well, I'll be done in February so I can come back in and share all the results. But right. um, you Just know, inviting himself back. He's well. a reoccurring guy. <laughs> I'll, I'll just send you an email and you can read them online. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, Being an ass. You know, I think the hard thing is, is too, with mental health, there's this, we talked about this before, the stigma or whatever you want to, you know, put with it. And, you know, the NBA is a huge example of just implementing, um, was it last year, I believe, of a policy of mandatory of offering mental health counseling. I forget how many millions of dollars that they basically put towards that. And then it's also now part of, of their program to where they can go anytime, right, and, and seek counseling, seek help. And a lot of corporations don't do that. A lot of insurance I you know my insurance does not pay for it and I you know I'll be honest he's a psychiatrist a lot of that had to do with my father passing away when I was younger and then you know experiencing PTSD and you know I pay $250 per session um, to go see go see my psychiatrist and I have to I have to go every three months don't have to but with medication and just kind of with my chemical imbalance of, of that um, and then if you see a counselor on top of that, uh, it's out of pocket as well. So you're talking about 150 to $200 per session typically for that. And with that, a lot of people do not want to put their name out there because if they go, they feel like 
man, this individual, this professional has never heard this before. And now I'm becoming vulnerable and I'm sharing something to get back to my employer or get back to my family. Mm-hmm. And I think that is another wall. I, th- I feel like that is one of the biggest stigmas of where people don't get help because they don't want to put themselves vulnerable vulnerability out there to where they're going to feel like they possibly could get in trouble in their job, you know, in their career, mm-hmm. in their family or whatever, if this would come out. Right. And it's, it's that's normal. We all have thoughts. We all have uh, issues. We all have struggles. So how do we get over that bridge and, and connect people healthy? You know, we talk about physical health, nutrition, mental health to an extent, but then when these big issues come up where somebody... We see killing sprees, we see an individual, oh, they had mental health issues, oh, they had this issue. Well, what percentage of that really happens of somebody that snaps like that or has a mental health issue, one or two percent versus, you know, 50 percent to 80 percent of us that really do struggle with depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. OCD, those type of things, which are very normal. Yeah. That's, that's a crazy concept to think about. And- the vulnerability aspect you hit on like what do you think it's like a trust issue with those people have like what I think it's a matter of them looking more at the negatives of, of a situation of what could go wrong rather than the good that can come from it right it's so tough to see the good <clears throat> for some people to go out and share that with someone they don't they they see it in the present moment and what can happen right away and what can get out from it we're when people judge it's a long, too. It's a long-term process. Like for, I mean, depending on the length of the process, like it's something that it's tough to see the good come from it right away by doing something like that. But it's it's honestly the first step. Well, it, also in our in our society, I think uh, vulnerable vulnerability. There we go. There we go. I got it out. Got there. It's the mic. It's not me. Uh-huh. Vulnerability breeds negativity. Mm. And what I mean by that is anytime you're vulnerable right you put yourself out there to where somebody can use your deepest issues struggles failures emotions whatever it is against you whether it's through judging you whether it's negative comments and we even see that in social media right we see it all the time on postings of people um, just being complete assholes towards somebody that posts something meaning something good or positive and they just want to find the negative in it right or even a society we almost wait on somebody to fail and I'm guilty of it too like oh that person cannot be that perfect they have something else going on you know at times and I'm like why am I thinking that but I think as a society and you see that right now in the news all the time we're waiting for people to fail so we can point the finger back so I think with mental health, it's, it, it's, it's that kind of issue, right? Of, instead of being able to be vulnerable and say, I'm having this block of this issue, I'm thinking this way, which is very normal because our brain's developing. I mean, it, it is constantly trying to grow and strengthen and change. And sometimes we're stuck in these processes. Like, you know, with my dad committing suicide, I mean, I was stuck in that process for almost 22 years. I mean, that is awful to live that way. And until I sought help, you know, I didn't have the tools per se to how to get out of that block. Um, and with somewhat of my chemical makeup from that tragedy, that had nothing to do with me 
mentally had to do with my physical makeup and how my brain and how my body tried to adapt to a traumatic situation. So I think if a lot of people just carry this load on themselves versus being able to have that trust and go to somebody and say, I need help in this and find friends and family members the same way that will support it. And that, I feel like that takes a change in educating everybody. And that's a huge undertaking. And when you talk about the help that everybody needs, that the answer, whether that's the answer, whether that's someone to talk to, what about that help? Because obviously it's a change within yourself, but everyone needs that help. What about that help elevated you to a point where you felt like you were more mentally strong, more together about it? What specifically can people look for in that type of help when they're trying to get out of the hole that they're digging? For me, it was like finding, we talked about this last time, Slayer and I. Um, for me, it was accepting the the help that I needed, meaning okay. I personally knew my issues, right? And I think everybody does. I think we lie to ourselves and we, we act out emotionally, physically or whatever. And I automatically, instead of fueling in my um, my body with or my emotions with alcohol or um, getting a better job and, and making more money and building a bigger house, I finally said, "I'm going to face this, these issues. Um, I don't know how to face them, but I know I'm going to finally face them on my, you know, with some help." And for me, that was huge because, especially as guys, one, it's hard to ask for help. I believe. A lot of my friends did not know any of my struggles. Um, you know, they thought my dad had died of cancer because anytime I brought up suicide, it was, you know, shameful. Um, you know, they made me feel shameful. And so I just kind of, you know, all those things I kind of had hidden for a while. And then when I started to finally say, okay, this is eating me alive. And these are the issues and they're starting to build walls and other areas of my life and make me into somebody I don't want to be, then I finally had the strength to say, okay, I need to completely change and I need to seek help. And then what does that look like? Um, for me, it was, again, back to research and finding truth and who I need to speak with. Family doctors I'd gone to before and they just like, oh, you're just stressed out with your job, you know? And it made me not want to share what I had really been struggling through. And so, um, I finally, you know, I talked to one of my clients um, who is a psychiatrist and, and she said, well, I have OCD and I have these things as well, you know, which makes her a great psychiatrist. And she finally was like, you can go see, see one of my uh, coworkers. And I did, I got in like within two weeks and I was just like, what a relief. And I, and I don't know if it would have happened the same way, you know, let's say 15 years ago, because I kind of tried that. Um, and maybe the difference of prescribing and understanding and scientific, you know, areas of mental health or just in general of talking to somebody. But I do believe if I would have gone probably in my early 20s just to speak to like a counselor in general, it would have helped immensely. But I was just, I was afraid to do that of like I would be labeled as someone that um, was unstable. I had a friend tell me he thought even like the happiest of people should have someone that they talk to right. like just to kind of keep you 
at, at your levels, you know, keep you even. So, I don't know. I've thought about it, but then, like, you brought up time and money, you know, so it's expensive. Well, and you can, you can justify it, too, right? Well, I'm not paying for that. But yeah. at the same time, like, okay, I looked at my entertainment for the month, and I'm like, okay, I went out and had drinks. I had sure. food. It was 350 Okay, my health is more important than yeah. going out and fueling it with stuff that is actually making it worse possibly um and i don't again i don't think mental health is again a bad versus good right i think it's an overall need for every single human being it's how to be cognizant of your conditions how to feel you know how to learn to take personal and social responsibility of your own actions and we don't teach that to kids necessarily they don't understand, we talked about that, of leaving college and not knowing those things of how to take responsibility for your um, your interactions, your social interactions, your intellectual interactions, professional, spiritual, um, how to do those things. And so I, that's what I believe mental health is about, like teaching somebody how to adapt to those things. Does that make sense? Yes. Knowledge bombs from Dave. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, you can't put a price on being understood because I think at the end of the day like those people that want to want to go seek help they want someone to know that they understand like they want someone to understand what they're saying and understand what they're feeling and it's just a matter of talking to someone and once they feel understood that's where I think that trust comes into play where that person now that they feel that someone understands them they can tell them more about what they're feeling I think it's that connection that's so key Whoever you go out and, and talk to, whether that's a friend, whether that's a parent, or any, anybody, whether it's a psychiatrist, anybody that, well, I think the common thing is just knowing that they understand you. Like they just got to get it. Mm-hmm. Like, because someone can say so many words and it's only going to go so far, but it's like, if they just don't get it, you just don't even want to share with that person. Right. Like, you know, I'll share with you guys things that I won't share with so-and-so, just because right. they don't get me like you guys understand how I operate which is very different than a lot of people. And the difference can be scary to some people too. Right. So. Yeah. And there's a difference between understanding the words you're saying to me, but also understanding what you're feeling yeah, the when you're side. saying the words to me yeah. at the same time. Like, and once you come down to that level with someone, the same emotional level, when you're understanding, it's, it's a whole process of listening to someone. I think that's just such a key connection yeah. when you're talking to someone. Two ears, one mouth. Yeah, two ears, one mouth. <laughs> Use them proportionally. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's the hard thing too, right? Because before I would never say, well, I can't connect with this person because I haven't been through that. Right. I have not experienced that same thing. However, through empathy and through listening and through just, I think, understanding being a human, mm-hmm. once you change your own thinking of what, of who you are and what you want to do for yourself and others, it's very easy to connect with somebody um, even though you have not been through that same issue. You know, mm-hmm. some of my friends have been through divorce. I've not been married. I've not been divorced. However, I know the feeling of loss. I know the feeling of manipulation. I know the feeling of um, being lied to or lying to somebody else. I mean, those are those are things that we all know, and you can just listen and, and try to help guide somebody just by giving encouragement and love and forgiveness in general versus judging somebody because you have not been through that situation, you don't understand it, 
um, I, th I think it is easy just to step next to somebody and say, okay, I don't understand, but I'm willing to listen. And that's really what I think a lot of people just need. I mean, mm -hmm. they don't need your opinion mm -hmm. necessarily. I can't give somebody advice on marriage. I can share my struggle and say, well, this is what happened to me and this is how I persevered through it. But I necessarily can't give them advice on how to, how their life's gonna be completely different um, if they follow step one through three. You think you can train like, can you teach empathy or train yourself to be more empathetic, do you think? Because something like I've wondered and like part of me thinks it's just the way you're wired. Like you can train sympathy. So I'm curious if you think you can like increase how empathetic you are or if people can do that. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think you can pretty much do anything. Yeah. I, the, the body, the human body and mind are just crazy, like how they can completely change. Um, before, you know, in my 20s, I was, I was empathetic to an extent, but I was also um, very egotistical. I mean, I was just about myself. I didn't, you know, my friends were my friends. If I met somebody else and they wanted to have a conversation, I was pretty standoffish of like, yeah, there's no really reason to have more friends. I really wouldn't talk to people. I really wouldn't listen either. Um, and then when I left my career and knew that I wanted to change all areas of my life and, and redevelop those foundations and find those truths, you know, find what the, what were the traditions? What was I being taught at school? What was I being taught in church? What was I being taught in these areas? Were they, were there really reverence to them of, of truth or were they just opinions and advice that I developed my life off of. And so when I started listening to myself and then listening to others, I realized that people were struggling and facing different obstacles than I was. They were also struggling in life. And I had never listened before. I never, um, empathetic, like you said, is, is a little bit different to where I don't have to be like, oh, that sucks. I feel so bad for them. Right. Oh, you know, poor Tim. <laughs> poor Tim. He's eating so bad. <laughs> He's eating too many donuts. I feel Call so bad. Again, all the food <laughs> going two for two. Um, no, but seriously, like, empathy is really just investing in someone's life. And I think you it's can a good do, way to put it. I like that. You can do that. You're not going to connect with everybody. I'm sorry, it just is, I mean, there's certain mm -hmm. people, I feel like I'm very loving and very giving. There's certain people that I meet, and I don't know if it's a chemical makeup or whatever it is, I just cannot be around them. And they probably feel the same way about me, or other people do the sure. same way. But those people that I feel like there's a connection with, I automatically feel like I dive into and encourage them and feed into them, and they also feed back into me because of who they are. And then they're the same way to me. They're, you know, constructive. They're loving. They're um, empathetic. They would be somebody that would pick me up. Even if I walked out here and did the complete opposite of what I'm sitting and sharing today, they would not judge me and they would pick me back up and say, okay, let's go. You're this person. You need to be this, you know, mm -hmm. let's go. Yeah. It's the mirroring effect. People right. love commonality and people like people that are like them. So they're more likely to match your actions over time. No, I like I like what you said about that, and you said something that I really liked that 
answered Slager's question about, oh, how do we become more empathetic? I feel like when you talked about your friend that went through divorce, and you, while you didn't go through divorce, you were able to match the feeling he was feeling to something you have felt before outside of the context of a divorce. Like you said, being manipulated. I think as we go through life and we face trials and tribulations ourselves, we can kind of remember what those feelings were like in those moments and kind of bring that to the present when you're talking about someone who's going through maybe something different than that, but the same type of emotion that you were feeling somewhere else. And I think being able to kind of connect that helps your ability to be empathetic because we all go through things ourselves. And if we can match those things up, and while we're never going to be able to really feel what someone else is feeling, being understood and be able to relate our own feelings to their feelings is... I think is key and you said that i i kind of like what you said about that so it's good no it's awesome i think you uh clarified a little bit better than what i did no (laughs) no when you were saying that it literally sent me into that exact thought like and i matched and when slager asked that i kind of put that together so dude you're teaching me every time Dude, you're smart love (laughs) smart. love it all you know you're talking about commonality we all have a commonality right we're all humans we're all it's pretty amazing what we're made of yeah we all have a heartbeat right and we can find groups that we that i wouldn't say necessarily conform us but that we can justify our emotions and and feelings conditions actions right what i mean by like by that we could find fraternities colleges friends to justify our behavior, right? Same thing as a counselor. I could, I could go to find a counselor until I found somebody that actually fit, that agreed with me because I'm paying them, even though they're professional, but they finally agree and I agree with them so that I get fed that I'm okay, that I'm doing the right thing. Same thing in churches. I see this all the time lately in, in faith. There's all these different congregations that you can find that fit your lifestyle and or your beliefs. So I think it goes back to when we talk about empathy of trying to understand who you really are. But at the same time, there's so much more than that. We, I mean, I can understand anything anybody's going through because I've had some negativity in my life. Mm-hmm. Same thing with both of you. I mean, we've all faced adversity at some point. Or, the, or other in our life, whether that's every day, whether it's little or small compared to the spectrum of what um, society or, or media thinks is big or small, um, but we've all faced something. And so that empathy can stretch, can have that ripple effect, right? On thousands of people, especially if we are very authentic in who, we, in, in who we're speaking with, who we're around, and then that that ripple like what you guys are doing and what i'm trying to do as well in my everyday life of like those people will never meet it's kind of cool to think that way like Mm -hmm. right you're empathetic and you're helping one person out and then that changes their mindset and it really does and then they do something for somebody else and and i really believe one action can really help somebody make or break someone's day which Mm -hmm. could be back to mental health and it, it could be back to physical health it could be back to um just life in general of, of how they're living their life it's pretty cool yeah well we always say as long as we help one person 
each episode. Right. We'll keep it rolling. So I like to think we help people. Mm-hmm. You helped me, so you helped one person. All right, there we go. You helped us today. All right, we're good. See you. Later. <laughs> feel so empowered to go help other people after talking to Dave. I know. Every time I talk to him. Like, I've been, like, kind of fidgety. Like, I can't sit still. I'm ready to run through a wall right now. Um, you said you were uh, changing up your training style. I'm interested to hear what you're doing different. You said you were working out with some different people and yeah. uh, doing some new things, uh, putting on a little more size. Yeah. Especially bigger boobs. I have put on a little bit of mass. More to love. Not tons, but, yeah. Um, I kind of just changed the dynamic of – I was doing a lot of five-by-five lifts okay and then so you're going like more strength i was doing that and some cardio but not a whole lot and then metabolic workouts maybe 30 to 45 minutes now i've completely changed it to where i'm not so strict on my lifts so i'm doing a lot of negatives okay um using more body weight uh more calisthenics um more cables still using plates and and doing some olympic lifting but only one day a week i'm doing olympic lifting okay and it's very light so i'm just doing that with um bent over rows deadlifts and um like single leg deadlifts it's the only thing i'm using it for okay i just feel 100 percent. i just i think when you change it up to like your body's going to react to that as well oh yeah but going back to like more body weight calisthenics like my body adapts to that a little bit easier for some reason and i put on mass a little bit easier than with that than i do of heavy lifting yeah whatever works man yeah yeah plus i feel good i mean it's not necessarily about looks but you just feel better yeah looks are a nice side effect though yeah you look good thanks yeah. so do you thanks appreciate you all look good i think so Tim, Tim dressed a nice little biz cat this morning. Three single guys in here. Well, two singles. <laughs> what, what? I said three single guys, but two. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I was saying, Tim's got this biz cat. like, hey, I like to be formal, but I also like to party. Bro, whenever I come on to this microphone for this podcast, <laughs> it's a mindset. Yeah. I like my... Got to dress the part. I like my, my yoggers, my comfy clothes. Yeah, like to, it's nice, too. I like to be ready to sit and mm-hmm. not, not be uncomfortable thinking Is about it. Is that a onesie? onesie no i wish <laughs> that'd be really cozy if it was my brother had a, a christmas onesie for SantaCon in cincy he lives in cincinnati and it was a couple weeks ago and i was at that seminar because he wanted me to go and he's like this is the onesie i had and it was awesome and he's like so many people coming up to me he's like such a conversation starter it was great i was like sorry i missed it but i, I had this thing but that's awesome Rocking a onesie, <laughs> going out to the bars in the onesie, just loud and proud. Here it is. It's probably so. the most comfortable thing you could possibly wear. Probably. Too. I hope he had some moccasins to go along with it. Mm-hmm. That would just really top it off. But sweet. Yeah. Um, man. So the other week in the gym, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna take it here. We're, we're going. Oh, we're I'm gonna. I'm about I'm about to take it here. Yes. Right. Yes. A few weeks ago in the locker room having an really nice conversation older gentleman putting stuff in my bag i'm about to leave and then i'm about to look up and i was like all right man will's really nice talking and i look up and just like he had turned around dropped towel just everything no warning no heads like like i know it's a, a men's locker room i get it like i know you're gonna see everyone's junk just like try like give me a little effort 
so I don't look up and that's the first thing I see of just getting dicked. Like just <laughs> look up. Ooh, nice talking to. Got to look up here. You man. A little tea bag in the in the face. Not. I mean, I wasn't that close. I wasn't that close to him. How close are you are. getting to people when they're naked in the locker room? Well, you made it sound like you had to like right. Right it was like I face. looked down, and the length of like half like this table, you know, those low benches that, <laughs> that you sit on to put your shoes on or whatever, like one of those, you know what I'm talking about. He was at the end of that, and I was on the other end, and I I was looking down, and I looked up, and like I was like, oh, jeez, there it was. So, and I know it happens in, I, I had a, a female friend that she was like, look, it happens in women's locker rooms too, and it's just as uneventful. And I was like, I, I imagine, but it's... Yeah, the etiquette is just, I think... Not even just that, but people are... Yeah, bad gym etiquette in general. Yeah. Well, the locker room, especially, like... Yeah, you're going to change and be naked, big deal, right? We're right. All, we're all guys. But, right. like, that, like... If you're having effort. a conversation with somebody, <laughs> like, then turn... Like, distance yourself a little bit. Change... Or I wait have for turn. somebody like yeah. I, my biggest pet peeve is like I'll be going to my locker and of course there's it's inevitable someone's right next to me. Mm-hmm. So I could be there getting my my stuff out or changing, and some guy and it's usually an older guy does not give a shit comes and just drops towel and like literally like bumps into me. <laughs> And I'm just like he's been seeing you put in that work. You've yeah, been getting I'm bigger like, boobs, man. He's he's interested. You know, take. Take 30 seconds. I see you, right? I'll get my stuff and move it. But, like, no conversation, no, like, excuse me, I'm right next to you. Didn't even take like, you to dinner first. Yeah. It's just, that kind of stuff just bothers me. I mean, yeah. it's just... Spacing type of thing. Yeah, it's like, seriously, just let me know. I'll move out of the way. So now, like, that's what I do. Like, I'll wait for somebody. If they're, if they're right next to me and they're changing or whatever... Mm-hmm. I'll wait to go to my locker and nine times out of ten they'll look at me and they're like are you next to me I'm like yeah but take your time I'm not getting you know, I'm not <laughs> gonna get time. in there and yeah. like rub up against you to get my, my shit out but, I just love when maybe we're all just insecure about ourselves I don't, I don't know. know maybe I that's just, it maybe that's why we think, have an Sam? issue yeah no, Tim weigh in going, on this going one off here. of that I just love when you walk into like a 200 locker locker room big ass locker room and you're, you, you choose the one locker out of the whole entire locker room. And, of course, five seconds later, someone comes and uses the locker next to you because their lock's right there. What are the odds out of all of them? I feel like it happens to me every time. Maybe it's just one of those things where you think, like, oh, this is probably going to happen. And then it just happens. It just ha- I just, just feel like will it into fruition. I don't know why it happens. Laws like, of attraction type thing. Yeah. Like, just, it just so happened the, per- the next person that walked the locker was the one that was right next to mine. Dude, I'm sure everyone, f- the, I love that. The early morning racquetball guys, man, they do not give a fuck in the sauna. And they'll just, like, you know, they have the towel around. Like, all right, cool. Sit in the towel, whatever. And then they sit down. And open it up. Wide open. And it's just like. It's really fun, though. Have you guys ever played? I've never played. I I was, they play at the YMCA I use, and I literally just found myself stopping and watching them for, like, ten minutes. It's a cool game to watch. It's it's like tennis, but. I don't know the rules. It's so much more fast. It's aggressive, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to hit it off the wall. And then it bounces. Two on two. You can't let it bounce twice. But the ball can bounce anywhere off the wall. So like two bounces like, total, whether it's floor or wall, it just can't bounce twice can't before ba- it gets hit by the other team. It can't, b- can't bounce twice on the floor. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know if wall mattered. Okay. They hit it. Got it. And like you got four, and they like hit it like all like in all directions across the wall. It I'll takes pro- a lot of coordination. I I'll probably stick to watching. I think it'd be fun. I asked them if I could play with them. Mm. 
They said I can play with them. I don't, I'm kind of nervous to join them, though. I feel like they'd be a lot better. But. Dude, I'll play. I can't yeah. try it. Let's do it. Let's do one more. Wait, right, where let's go. You? L.A.? Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they have it in L.A. They also have it at the, the Jordan YMCA mm-hmm. over by 82nd Street. It's pretty cool. They got guest passes. But, yeah. Yeah, they do. Cool. One more thing I want to hit on, though. I feel like gym etiquette, I'm taking it outside the locker room into the actual weight room. I was planning on doing that, but I, I had think, to start with the aggressiveness. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think people eventually graduate to a club where they're like, uh, I, I don't give a fuck whether you're using this machine or not. I'm just going to use any machine here I want. Have you ever left, like, your water bottle and towel, like, draped over a machine, you go to use the fountain, and some person, they graduated into the secret club where they just took your machine? Yes. Yeah. Although I don't use a towel, but, yeah. Like, there could, there could be a dead body on the machine, and these people will just wipe it off. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to use it. <laughs> That like escalated it's, fast. It's, it's, Towel it's, to dead bodies. No, I'm just saying. You can put what any, what you club are you going you can, to? You can put anything there to identify that you're using the machine. Yeah. But they just don't care. They just wipe it off. My, my just, fa- I was saying there there could be something as obvious as a dead body. Right, right. Just wash it off. My, my favorite was this one guy asked, uh, he's like, using this? Like, it, I was like standing. I just finished a set and I was like, you know, I like to stand. I like to be tall and just move a little bit in between the sets. And he's like, you using this? I'm right next to it. I'm like, yeah, I got a few more. And just the biggest eye roll and look of disgust. And it's just like, look, man, you asked. I told you, you've seen me on this. Like, why are you pissed off at me? Because everything is not available to you right now. I think it's gym etiquette, but it's also back to being non-educated on what they're doing in general, right? Sure. Fitness-wise. So somebody may see you at a machine and think you're hogging the machine, right? That's a fair point. Not letting anybody in, but they don't realize that building endurance, like if you're trying to build endurance, it's 30 seconds or less to wait in between reps. If you're building hypertrophy, it's what? 30 to 130 seconds. And then if you're building strength, which a lot of people in the gym are, you're waiting three to five minutes minutes, in between sets. So, People don't have the, I don't say mentality, they just don't have the education to understand. Sure. Most people don't understand that that's what is building certain different aspects of the body or depending on what your target is yeah. to accomplish. So they automatically in their mind think you're just being selfish and taking over a machine. And I think that's where I think, especially as global gyms, could educate individuals of when they step into a facility of like how to operate equipment, how to take weights off, how to put them on, safety issues that require because you know it hurt yourself, you can hurt the person next to you, especially when people are taking off, you know, two plates of 45 on one side and leaving two 45s on the other and leaving them there for two minutes. I mean, a bar can flip. Yeah. They, they don't really know that. I mean, you would think they would know that, but they had not been rounded right. Right, to think that that's what really would cause that. I mean, um, so I think that's part of it too, where yeah. I used to get so pissed off. I'm like, I just, they don't understand. Yeah. They're going from one exercise to the other. Sure. And maybe a trainer <clears throat> just ran them through like all these exercises and they have to do them in this order. And then they're just doing them as quick as possible mm-hmm. and then they're done. It's a good way to look at it. So I kind of, sometimes I'll just say, hey, you can jump in. Yeah. I have I like two more, bro. you can jump in. Just make sure you wipe it off when you're done. Yeah. 
guess I'm, approach. Guess I'm yeah, just a meanie. I just wipe it all off. I mean, because I'm, I never say, yeah, sure. I still have four more sets. I'm like, yeah, I'm still working on it. If you want to jump in with me, you can. Yeah. I mean, um, if someone asks me to jump in, I'd, I'm always like, yeah. Like, yeah. as long as you ask, I always I'm initiate cool. it. I'm just automatically like, I'll be here, you know, a couple more sets. You want to jump in and do this? You can. And sometimes I feel like that gives me an opportunity to want to make connections. You have no idea who you're around, mm-hmm. like what people are doing in life. Right. How they could connect you, further you, or how you could further them. Two, maybe that's your connection if you are in physical fitness or, you know, trying to help people functionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever. Like, maybe there's something there you can share and say, well, this is why I wait this long because I'm trying. What are you doing? Are you rehabbing? Are you building muscle? Are you just doing endurance? And then if you say, well, actually, trying to build strength you should be waiting in between sets and they'd yeah. be like what yeah such I mean, a different way to look at the gym now there's always different perspectives but yeah. i'm still an asshole at times where I get, <laughs> I get pissed and then i'm like okay i go back yeah like that lasts for 20 seconds and i'm like okay they're just they're not educated doesn't yeah. mean that it's good or bad they just don't really understand yeah uh, the concept of what they're doing or why they're doing it so i'm gonna look at it now yeah no, you made like me that. you made me better today dave thanks i appreciate that be a nice um, human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just be a good human in general. Sometimes it's hard. Well, you go in there. I go in there because stress relief, right? Yep. And I put on music and I do certain things and I get zoned out. Like, I just zone out. To where sometimes I don't make connections, like facial, like eye connection or look at somebody. And, like, I've met a couple people at the gym. They're like, I thought you were a dick. You know, because, like, for six months, I'm like, I'm sorry, I just, you know, sometimes I just turn off my outside life and I just come in here and I just focus yeah. and listen to my body. I'm not. That's one of the few times that, like, right. some people get to be by themselves. Right. And I think that's where, then, when I start seeing people do the same thing of, like, jumping in on machine, I, I just feel like sometimes they just have gotten out of their their stress mode and they're just trying to focus. Sure. Right? Yeah. To where it just it may come off as, as being negative. But they didn't so. like it was an inadvertent. Right. And they it were just like in the zone of like, oh, yeah. So like, I wasn't even paying attention. Right, right. Like I've had people like talking to me while I'm just kind of sitting waiting for my next set, like with my music. But then I, I realize there's two people in front of me, and uh, I take my headphone out. She goes, and she starts laughing. I was like, sorry, I am like just right. ignoring both of you right now. I don't mean to. She goes, no, you're fine. I just. Uh, how many more do you have? And so I was like, so I've, I've done that to like people who are talking to me. And I was like, ah, I'm not trying to be a dick to you, I swear. She goes, no, you're fine. But yeah, that's a good, good way to look at it too. Um, I know you got a split here soon. So yeah. um, any last thoughts? I would like to ask um, advice to younger Dave from where you are now. Oh, wow. Advice cool. to younger Dave and something that people can take away to help if they're just in a funk or stuck or just to improve something. Like how young are we talking about? Um, like I don't know. A, a, nine, point, a point in time 20. where you feel like you could use someone to be like, hey, like, just keep doing doing your thing. It's going to work out. Or, or, hey, try it this way. Just a point in time in your life where you could have used a, like, a little knowledge bomb. How about this? Here we go. Advice to people who... I mean, you can do that or... Also, people who are like in the point in their life where they're trying to wonder where they're going after college. Maybe like a, a senior who's Ooh, yeah. who's going home for winter break that may not have a job figured out, and, and they're they're dreading that conversation with 
that are extended family members, oh, you got a job yet? Just people who are not sure where, I mean, are That's stuck good. where to go, I guess. We'll still do that. Looking for answers. So make, you, make this answer. Are you saying I'm older or old <laughs> no, to saying. go to my younger self? Um, so I, I think this could be at any age, right? Because mm -hmm. I think at any age you're trying to figure stuff out okay. to an extent. Um, if I was going back to um, my early 20s to mid-20s and leaving college the first time, biggest advice I would probably give myself is not worry what other people think about me. I think that is probably the the biggest, I wouldn't say issue, but probably the most value I probably put on making my decisions or what my family and friends thought I should do, thought I should be, and what type of job I should have. And I followed that, and I was very unhappy. I mean, I was happy with my income. I actually liked my job, but I wasn't exploring what I knew were my passions and creativity. And part of that was also my mental block with anxiety and, and with things that happened with my dad, right? So my advice would be to find, if you don't know who you are, find that. And I think that's pretty easy to find. Meaning, go back to your childhood, look at things that you're passionate about, look at things that you may not necessarily be good at right now, but you have interest in them. Just because you're not good, in them, good at it doesn't mean that you're not going to progress in that area. And I think that's where a lot of people, I, I feel like I got stuck in that to where if I didn't succeed at it the first or second time that I automatically went to something else that resonated with me versus you know when we were kids we started walking and then we'd fall down we didn't keep crawling because we didn't want to walk again I know that kind of sounds goofy but it's kind of the same concept like we didn't just give up walking and start crawling again but I feel like once we get in our teenage years and then our young adult years, if we fail or fall down, like we go on to something else completely. So I would just, I would explore different areas. I would not worry what other people think. Um, and I would, I would focus primarily on accepting who you are and doing for other people. And that'll show you what you should be doing. I love it. Does that make sense? Oh Fantastic yeah. Fantastic advice. That's oh like, yeah. It's a good bomb to end on right there. And, it, and it's hard not to get wrapped up in material items. I, I think it, that's the biggest thing once you leave school because you want everything that... I wanted everything my parents had at 25. I just did because I grew up, you know, in a nice home and I went after a, a career about money. And so by the time I was 27, I was making 160 grand a year. I was able to live a lifestyle that my parents provided for me. Um, but I was miserable and I was still trying to develop those mentally um, characteristics to grow and I think people are stuck in that in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s I mean no matter what age you are you can change it just it's going to take a lot more effort usually the older you get to completely change your environment and lifestyle because you're either in a relationship, maybe married, kids, career, debt, 
debt is one of the huge things where people, they get so tied in debt. I mean, I was so, I was fortunate because I was making great money, but I was spending $4,200 a month in bills for one person. And so when I downsized, like I wanted to leave my career, like sold my brand new house, my boat, my truck. And, you know, it cost me money. I had to pay money to get out of some of, you know, especially mm -hmm. like my, uh, my truck. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to sell it necessarily, but I knew if I got rid of all my debt, I'd be a lot happier. And I was convincing myself of that because like material items were my thing. Like I wanted, I always had new stuff. I tell you, as soon as I, I got rid of all that, it was like, so, like this huge weight released off of me. It was just, it was amazing, especially with debt. Like so easy to sign your name to a piece of paper. It's so hard to get your name off of it. Mm. Wow. Very true. So, wow. Dave, where, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Dave, where, where can people find you? Uh, social media, website, where, where can people look? Yeah, so um, I'm just with social media, I'm on Instagram. So done on my last name, D-U-N-H-A-M underscore 7W. Or Wired Ripple on Instagram is another one that I, I use to reach out. And uh, website Seven Wholeness, so sevenwholeness.com, and then also wiredripple.com. Awesome. And uh, listeners, all this info will be in the show notes too, as well. Tag them on our Instagram too, so you can see them. Yes, sir. But Dave, we uh, we appreciate your time this morning, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. We love so. you too, brother. Always, always a good time with you. Can't wait to see what the new year brings. Yes, yes sir. sir. We'll keep we'll keep after it. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you take some, some good uh, nuggets away from this one. Dave dropped some bombs. Um, so go out and do what you want to do. Tim, any last thoughts? Thanks again, Dave. I learned a lot from our conversation today. Same here. Happy holidays. You make us better, Dave. See you, everybody. All right.